Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Real World Road Tests on RadioLeMans.com. Hello everybody and welcome to another RadioLeMans.com Real World Road Test. I'm John Heindorf. Today, we're looking at the new Audi Quattro Q7. Real World Road Tests. Well, the Audi Q7 has established itself as the premium SUV, sport utility vehicle of choice for, for many people. Although it was getting a little bit long in the tooth, it still has its advocates. Audi, however, as it goes through its range, had decided that... Now was the time for a new one, and the 2016 cars have been out and uh, wowing the public and the automotive press alike. My first opportunity to spend any decent amount of time with the car was uh, around the Le Mans 24-hour race. 3-litre turbocharged V6 TDI engine is quite familiar to us in not only this car, not in a, only in a Q7 at least, but in a variety of cars in the Audi range. We'll leave that to later and talk about the new look of the Q7. In common with all of the restyled Audis, there's this, what they call the 3D grille. The trapezoidal grille has been styled a little bit. I'm sure the four rings have got bigger. Certainly the Quattro badge has... And there's a new, meaner, more aggressive look to the front end of this car. The headlights, fairly traditional in the way they look and how they're placed. They're not doing anything funky in that respect. But the Matrix headlights are something quite extraordinary, which we'll talk about later on in their operation. If I walk down the side of the cars, this is a sort of... 10-spoke or 5-double-spoke 20-inch rims. 21s uh, are available indeed. We had uh, 21-inch wheels on one of the other cars uh, that we took down to Le Mans. Now, the styling has split a few people. I was a big fan of the old Audi Q7, the original Audi Q7, uh, and this S-Line perhaps doesn't uh, immediately cut such a dash as uh, some of the outrun models uh, of the original style. They were all stacked with optional extras, including side running boards and different wheels. Uh, But the styling of this car is very much more angular than the rounder uh, philosophy of the first version of the Q7. So right from the front of the car here at the bonnet, you've got pronounced creases in the bonnet here and here. That's two different creases that uh, meet up with the edges of the grille and partway down the headlight. Then, of course, the body line for the opening bonnet. Then another crease on the top of the wing and another one slightly further down, both of those going the full length of the car. 
This does give the bonnet a bit of a clamshell look. It sits a little proud once you get back to the ear pillar, but it's very cleverly hiding the bulk of the car. The wheel arches, pronounced flares, and then into a flat area, um, which is body coloured, uh, but that's plastic, if you can probably listen to this. This is the wing, and this is the edge of the wheel arch plastic so that bit at least will replace easily um, very highly stylized rear view mirrors on the door the little triangular window makes a comeback on this uh, q7 although it doesn't open it doesn't flip sideways as it did on my dad's 1964 ford anglia 105e um, but the wing mirror or the door mirror um, very pronounced there through both front and rear doors. The biggest difference on the side is the addition of a matte panel uh, on the bottom of the door. The Quattro branding very much evident on the, the back door there. And again, as we get to the back, the curves have gone. Not completely, but at least they've been toned down. The roof line is much less curved, and that's going to help when we open the tailgate in a moment. There's a... a an aerodynamic black finisher around the edge of the rear windscreen and a, quite a hefty spoiler uh, on the top of the rear windscreen as well. New design rear lights, of course, on this all-new for 2016 car, uh, incorporating the latest LED light technology. But the one thing that has remained the same is when you open the, in this case, powered boot, the lights on the tailgate... Well, there's nothing underneath them. There's that big void that they void void that they ever was, and they are then taken up by the lights uh, in the uh, the bumper bar itself. Still a seven seat of the Q7. I've not had a chance to try it out. The back seats I've put back up for this trip to the northeast of England because I didn't have a lot of luggage, and it helps to stop the luggage moving around instantly found a problem with that because when you put the two back seats up you've got nowhere to put the rear parcel shelf cover the tonneau cover if you like for the the rear luggage compartment it fits in just in the rear compartment but then of course you haven't got the flat floor uh, this one let me just take my case out uh, we have got the gap underneath the floor so there's room for your pump and your uh, tyre kit. There's no spare wheel on this car. Just put the bags back in. Um, something that I haven't seen on the Q7 before, though I know that some of uh, the competitors have it, the rear seats are now electrically operated for up and down. The headrests drop down themselves uh, and you... Uh, do have to put them back up manually as well when the uh, the third row of seats come back up. Uh, the only problem with that is you have to be very careful where you've got the middle seats, otherwise the electrics won't work because there's not enough clearance between them. And I'll, I'll tell you what I mean about that as we get in to the second row uh, of seats in a moment's time. So from the outside then, the car looks like it's been on a bit of a diet and it looks like it's been working out a bit and it'll come as no surprise if you look at the like for like that several hundred kilos have been taken off the car something like 300 kilos like for like and that obviously is going to have a 
feeling, uh, uh, an, an impact on how the car drives and the dynamic feeling of the car. So let's jump into the middle set of seats, if you will. And it's all very Audi in here. And as you can hear, everything gets a lot quieter as we sit down. This is an S-Line. It has the Sport Alcantara inserts to uh, leather seats. The rear seats are surprisingly comfortable, but the first thing that I notice in here is the extra headroom. Remember I was talking about the loss of that almost coupe curve that the back of the original Q7 has? Well, the windows at the back have become a little bit taller. There's more usable room behind the seats with the third row of seats folded down and there's much more room here headroom wise as well as legroom wise the seats all three of them although i'm not sure i'd want to spend a lot of time in the middle seat all slide backwards and forwards and they've got a recline feature as well it's not a huge amount of recline uh, and as i say you can pull them forward just with a bar on the bottom to give yourself more luggage space behind them or more leg room for anybody who is sitting in the third row of seats uh, this has got a this version has got a four zone air conditioning system uh, which is effectively one each for the driver and the front seat passenger and one zone each for each side of the middle seats you do get uh, vents halfway up the b pillar as well as two in the center console and some nice piano keys underneath there a uh, couple of 12 volt outlets uh, in the centre console for the middle row of seats. I should mention as well that the 12 volt outlet in the back of the car has swapped sides uh, and is now on the left hand drive of you left hand side of UK cars. Uh, that caught me out just a little bit. It's tucked away. You can't see it very easily. Um, caught me out when I was trying to get the cool box uh, fastened into that. Right. Before we go any further, let's go and have a look at the business end in the driver's seat. Which means I have to get out of here, which is pretty easy to do. It's a pretty wide opening door. And because of the slight change in how the body looks, it does mean that the rear wheel arch doesn't intrude so much as it used to into the rear door. And uh, my dad, who's just had a hip replacement operation, very easily sit in backwards and then swivel around so get his backside on the squab of the middle set, middle set of seats and then move himself around. Bags of room, by the way, in terms of legroom on Hindhoff's patented test of sitting behind himself in a position comfortable enough to drive. Now, let's get into the driver's seat. And, well, it's all changed up front. And we'll tell you about that in just a moment. That's with the 2016 Audi Q7 Quattro. Real World Road Tests on Radio LeMond.com. So here we are in the driver's seat of the Audi Q7 Quattro for 2016. This is the 3 litre turbocharged diesel engine. The cockpit, though, is where all of the differences will be immediately noticeable to any Audi user. Uh, Audi are very proud of their new virtual cockpit, which debuted in the TT and some of their other higher-range cars. In the TT, 
The issue is that it is basically just the screen in front of the driver that has all the details, including sat-nav on it. Here in the Q7, the majority of that information and certainly the information that you need to be able to see as a passenger if you're trying to help your driver out, for example, sat-nav and maps, that can be duplicated on a pop-up screen that slides up, powers up and down out of the middle of the dashboard uh, in front of the windscreen there. Pretty silently as well. The steering wheel has been changed. I'm just going to quickly fire up the engine just to put the uh, the steering wheel straight from where we've parked. The steering wheel has changed too, but most of the interest will be with the new set of control systems. So in front of me, I've got a completely flat screen, which be, can be configured in a number of different ways, both long form and short form, and you can cycle through a, a couple of different views as well when you're actually on the move, do that on the fly. Effectively, it's very similar to Jaguar's system that you can customise and also the Jeep Grand Cherokee. What you have got on either side is the temperature gauge and the fuel gauge. Those are constant features. After that, how big and the positioning of various things are left pretty much up to yourself. There's an engine start-stop button. The lighting switch is, as we've seen before, with a rotary switch next to your right knee in a right-hand drive version. Controls for head-up display, which is very simple and I find very intuitive to use. The dashboard design has been completely changed. You still have that swathe of black plastic, rubberized plastic right across from the passenger side, lightened up in this S-Line version by some brushed aluminium and a couple of big quattro signs. But that still dominates the instrument binnacle, a nice smooth curve. Door design has changed. That's got a little bit more angular, but again, lightened up with a bit of brushed aluminium. This car's got the lighting pack on it, so there's a, a very subtle uh, fluorescent run right the way down both doors, both of the back doors, and a swoosh right the way, pretty much full length uh, across the, or full width, should I say, across the dashboard itself lots of air vents big screen in the middle that the uh, air conditioning and ventilation controls are, are all involved in there as well as heated seats it has always been the case that audi's multimedia interface their mmi has been for me at least the gold standard on which i have judged everyone else's control systems in cars and for my money, there's never been anything better. Audi have developed the system down through the years, added various touch-sensitive screens or little joysticks on the top of the main buttons. But basically, it's always been the same. Tremendously intuitive, even for people who don't drive a lot of Audis. This new system is a complete departure. And for me, at least... Even having had the car for a couple of weeks, nowhere near as intuitive as the old system. And what's more, has to me fallen into the trap 
of a couple of other man- manufacturers, Jaguar included, of having far too many levels of menu to get to some of the controls that you use on a relatively regular basis. And therefore, it's too many presses. I do like this idea of the touch-sensitive large screen in the middle of the centre console. Of course, for us who drive with the steering wheel on the right, that means you have to do everything with your left hand, but I I understand that. I also even like the very tactile click, click buttons, or areas at least, of that that uh, pad there that are there for menu various sub menus and indeed for uh, for the numbered buttons which you can assign uh, different uh, uh, different values to in terms of your radio or your multimedia or you can assign tasks to as well and frankly i think if i was going to have this car for a long time or it was my car i would have to do that because the other menus are somewhat infuriating that said everything is here that you would expect including a dab full multimedia interface audi have been at the absolute forefront of adopting new technology including connectivity with audi connect and indeed everything from their mid-range cars upwards now gets a data card within that so you can access more and more of those online functions while you're driving. The gear selector lever on this automatic 8-speed version uh, has been redesigned and it's a little more chunky, it's a little more stubby. However, That's not a problem. I love that. It's great. It feels great in the hand. And indeed, the steering wheel is very tactile too. But for some reason, Audi have decided that the 100-year-old tradition of PRND and then anything else down there, park, reverse, neutral, drive, is not good enough for them. And they've taken park away from the normal up and down movement on the gear selector and made it a push button which is fine when you get used to it but I've got a feeling that I am not alone in having pulled up this Audi pushed the interlock button as I would normally do on any other automatic car and thrown the lever all the way forward expecting it to go into park then taking my left foot off the brake and found the car going backwards because I've actually selected reverse. Park is not all the way up. You have to push the P button separately. To the point now where I've actually started turning the engine off, which automatically puts it into park. I've got a feeling there's going to be a few near misses on that till people get used to it. Uh, However, other than that, everything is pretty sensibly laid out. The steering wheel uh, has a couple of extra buttons on it to access more sub-levels of more menus. Now that I've got the hang of it, it kind of makes sense a little more. Uh, I do think an evening with the the owner's manual uh, should be absolutely mandatory. Uh, This car's pretty well loaded up. It's got radar cruise control. It's got Audi's... Almost self-drive, which keeps the car in your lane if you want it to. And it all works very, very well indeed. The new version of the sat-nav is outstanding. 
and works beautifully well, including uh, if you want to put the screen down, relaying your turn information onto the head-up display, which is adjustable for brightness and height uh, on the windscreen in front of you. Uh, the driving position, well, this has got the full uh, electric seat option, or at least almost the full electric seat option, not the massage and the movable side bolsters that you get in some of the R and RS models. But other than that, uh, up, down, the squab adjustment, lumbar adjustment, uh, all electronically operated or electrically operated. The steering wheel still moves up and down and in and out, so you should be able to get a decent driving position. Should be able to get a decent driving position. The issue is that the pedals are massively offset to the right. And I'm feeling a little bit of left-hand drive bias here. I'm used to driving cars that have their pedals in a right-hand drive car offset to the left. If I sit as I am now in the driver's seat with my feet directly in front of me, my left foot is comfortably on the left foot rest. Great. My right foot is half underneath the brake pedal. And that's half to the left. Only the right half of my foot is under the brake pedal. To access the accelerator, I have to move my foot and my leg some five to six inches across to the right. Now, why is that an issue? That's an issue because then the side bolster of the sports seat is cutting into my right buttock. And more than once, when I've been driving this car, I've actually gone into my right rear pocket of my trousers because I thought I had something in there that really needed to be taken out. And it's not. It's the side bolster. And it's just simply because the pedals are too far offset to the right. The annoying thing is there's no need for them to be. There's plenty of room for them to be two or three inches at, at least, if not the whole six, further to the left. The other bit of left-hand drive bias that I have come across is in the some of the controls around the air conditioning screen. There's two very handy cup holders there which mask a part of the, if you've got your thermos flask with your coffee in, mask a part of, of that area. And in a if this was swapped round the other way in a left-hand drive car, that would be the off switch for your air conditioner, which you, I would think, would very, very rarely use because that turns all of the ventilation off. However, in this right-hand drive version, you have to reach all the way across to the left for your rear heated screen. And that means getting my finger behind my thermos flask in fact it took me quite some time to find where it was because where the thermos flask is masks it little things i know but little things that audi in the past have been absolutely on top of and that they seemingly have just lost sight of in this new q7 now that said the car is immensely capable and we'll talk about how it drives next here on real world road tests Real World Road Tests on RadioLeMond.com Well, here we are then behind the wheel of the 2016 Audi Q7 Quattro and the Quattro name is writ large across quite a lot of the areas of this machine. Let me just put the uh, the windows up 
The driving experience of this car is quite simply extraordinary. Uh, once again, Audi have got it absolutely right with their balance on their air suspension systems. This does have the driver select system on, which gives you a number of pre-set settings, uh, including ride height, dynamic, off-road, etc. Or you can set what's called an individual menu and go through, including your... Uh, in including your gearbox and steering responses uh, as well as how sporty your exhaust sounds also that's a just a little reminder that I've driven away without putting my seatbelt on which starts off quite gently and then gets quite rightly uh, more insistent right that's now belted up now that you've heard that uh, all the controls come to hand around the steering wheel very well. There's three stalks, uh, one either side for wipers and lights, auto lights on this. And I have to say, the Matrix headlights on this car are absolutely brilliant. They take a little bit of getting used to. You don't have to swap them over for left-hand drive because they have sensors all over them that basically, what it looks like is opening and closing shutters on studio or stage lights they don't just get brighter or add extra light in a conventional way they actually shine it on different parts of the road depending on how fast you're going and where the road is going ahead of you uh, and by the way the clever audi automatic driving which includes the ac the Automatic cruise control, the ACC, will even slow you down for roundabouts, as well as reading speed limit signs and even signs for temporary speed limits in road work. It, it, it really is just a tiny step away from being able to drive itself, and of course, Audi already have some self-drive cars. The biggest thing that people will say about this car when you talk to them about it is how big it is. But it doesn't drive big. A very short time behind the wheel of this car gives you a huge amount of confidence to be able to put it through the smallest of gaps. Sight lines are pretty good, despite the rather thick ear pillars on this car, which do cause a couple of blind spots. The other thing I've got to mention is just how quiet it is at speed. Now, we're just doing town driving at the moment, so you probably aren't getting the best of this, but cruising along on the continent of Europe at 85 miles an hour where allowed, the wind noise and the road noise on these 20-inch rims is almost negligible. It really is quite impressive. The new design of the, of the rear-view mirrors have really contributed to that, they're not as bluff as they used to be, and clearly some time in the wind tunnel has been spent just ironing out a few whistles and hums there. And the NVH, the noise, vibration and harshness uh, of this car is, I would say now, the best in its class and possibly comparable with a class above. But let's not forget the rumours continue about building this car into a Q9 or something even further up the price range for Audi and 
frankly if they decide to do that they've got a very very good platform to build on now what about that engine well mentioned that we've had various parts or various uh, iterations of this engine in other Audi cars in the recent past Indeed, we've got a Q5 with a similar engine in it at the moment it's not the most powerful of the 3 litre diesels that is the 330 plus horsepower car this comes in at just over 260 brake horsepower but it is more than enough to power this new lighter and more dynamic Q7 and make it feel pretty fleet of foot what's more in a car with not a lot of mileage on it in terms of it being running 40 miles to the gallon in real world conditions absolutely attainable and considering we spent most of the time using the second lever on the left hand side of the steering wheel that being the automatic cruise control which is very very good indeed and very confident inspiring and not actually driving it on the pedals uh, that is I think pretty impressive so the 2016 Audi Q7 Quattro is a step forward in some respects from the car that it replaces let me just try and put this into park and stop the engine yes I have done and of course you'd expect it to be that there will be people that say I don't like it because I don't like the looks I think you've got to see past that the more time I've spent with the car the more that the looks have grown on me it's a little more grown up it's certainly a little more practical in terms of the extra space that the more angular design of the car has given you it's just a couple of ticks of the clock away from being absolutely brilliant but sort out the seating position in the pedals and one or two placement places of the dashboard and this would be an absolute cracker it's still very good don't get me wrong but maybe audi could give this car a little bit of a freshen up earlier through its life and just correct some of those slight non-audi things that have managed to slip their way in to this 2016 Q7 for the UK market. Another real world road test. Check out more at radiolamon.com.